Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and cockles. I am Ross Bolin, joined today as always by my buddy Mr. Barrett Dudley to bring you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs. Barrett, another week, another pod. How's it hanging? Oh, you know, I just got uh, cups of the rosé. Bitches in my old phone. Are you doing Marvin's room right now? That is a little tease for a for a uh, a piece of uh, my tidbits and such today. I don't but even so, know that could possibly. Yeah, so it's, it's, uh, it's 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 a big one, but um, yeah, man, it's it, it's great. You just presented me with this Baby Yoda uh, beer me you will koozie here that we beer got you. from from uh, a listener and, and member of the Clam Fam and Mollusk Militia who wrote a wonderful note to us. Throw out her first name. That uh, this is from Autumn. Uh, so Autumn, we we received your we received your your letter and your and your gifts of we don't be- know when it beautiful up. baby Yoda koozies and uh, we couldn't be we couldn't be more more thrilled and more appreciative to uh, to have received this. So thank you. So and if she's sitting there like, damn, I mailed those in uh, you know February. Uh huh. They showed up to like the larger building in which our permanent record studios is located. Right. And right. They were just given this piece of mail, so we don't know when you sent this, Autumn. But we're very appreciative. These are phenomenal koozies. Beer yeah, ho- hope, hopefully she, she didn't, you know, just say, "Well, you're you didn't get it. You you've not said thank you. Unsubscribe. And unsubscribe." It's just like fuck these two guys. <laughs> these these thankless dicks. Yeah, no, I yeah. doubt it though. So thank you, Autumn. We uh, we love them. And if you're thinking like right now, like Ross doesn't even drink, she put in the note for this for my sprite too. Yeah, she knows you really well. It's appreciative. Yeah, I'm appreciative. So thank you again. Yes, yeah. but yeah, yeah, just uh, you know, slow, slow, loud, and banging, all, all in, in my trunk. trunk, all in your trunk. We're starting out today's show with everyone's favorite segment, tidbits and such, with Barrett before going after some penultimate Perry Mason, chapter seven. Ah, it was the penultimate. Ah, indeed it You're was. You're correct there, sir. Indeed it was. And then, Clam Fam, then we're doing Denzel Washington's top five movies. But first. Today's episode of OCC is brought to you by Lisa, makers of the greatest mattresses in the world. I always argue your mattress is up there with your living room TV in terms of important purchases you make for your home. So you have to ask yourself, is your mattress kind of shitty? Do you even remember where it came from? Do you wake up every morning feeling like you won the lottery because your mattress is so damn comfortable? I do on my Lisa Legend. And for years before that, I slept on the Hybrid, which has now been moved into my, uh, my guest room. The Hybrid by Lisa, also phenomenal. Everything Lisa makes is the most comfortable thing I have ever slept on, touched, felt, or looked at. They know how important rest is to a better life. Lisa is the foundation of a healthier, happier you. And to Lisa, a bed is more than just a place to sleep. It's a place for relaxation and rest. All of their products have been thoughtfully designed to go beyond creating a comfortable bed to transform your bedroom into a place you actually want to spend time in. Their most advanced Lisa legend is incredible. The the luxury hybrid is incredible as well. Again, I made the switch to the legend. Barrett, you're a hybrid boy still. I'm a hybrid boy still, yeah. You love it, though. You love it. Oh, yeah. Lisa believes all people should have access to deep rest and relaxation, and as such, they make it easy for their customers to know they've made the right choice through their social impact initiatives tied to each purchase. Lisa donates one mattress for every 10 they sell through organizations that work in causes like foster care prevention, to date having donated more than 33,000 mattresses and counting through more than 1,000 nonprofits. Lisa mattresses are made in the USA. In-home delivery and setup is available. Financing is also available. Don't miss out, Clam Fam. Live healthier, live happier by resting deeper. Order today and get 15% off any mattress for a limited time at lisa.com slash dragon. 
Use the promo code DRAGON, that's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash DRAGON, promo code DRAGON. And now, it is time for Tidbits and Such. Okay. With that. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, uh, let's jump off here on the tidbits. Uh, so I won't, I, I won't, you know, keep you in suspense any longer here. We'll just jump right in. Sure. Uh, the name of the song that I was singing, do you know what it's called, Russ? Marvin's Room. Okay. Do Only you- because I listened to it so many times in college as I cried alone. Now, now we never get the moment, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing at the screen meme, when he says Marvin's room in the song. There's never that <laughs> Marvin's room. Right. He yeah. said it. You, you crushed the whistle just now. <laughs> that was exactly it. I'm, I'm very impressed. Yeah. So I never knew why it was named that. So, yeah. So do you now? No, only because I Googled it at some point down the line. Well, okay, so we can talk to each other here, because I never Googled it. I was just knocking around on HBO Max the other day, and... And you saw Marvin's Room. ...came across a movie called Marvin's Room, which stars Meryl Streep, Diane Keaton, and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. And, and, he's not even on, he's not even on the movie poster, but it stars Robert De Niro as well. How is it that De Niro's in this and he's not in the poster with these three? I... I don't know. I haven't watched this film. I was only aware of its existence, and it made me laugh because it's like, it's just so Drake to take the saddest, softest R&B song possible, and then he's named it Marvin's Room, which is a movie starring Meryl Streep, Leonardo (laughs) DiCaprio, Diane Keaton, Robert De Niro. Like, that's just funny. But why, But it doesn't... Okay, so first of all, I just had no idea that this movie existed. Uh-huh. This is like... This is right before... This is Leo. You know, he's riding the roller coaster up to the very tippy-tippy top... He's working of, his way still. ...of Titanic, right? Yeah, but yeah. I think he'd done Gilbert Grape at this point. Uh, what's eating Gilbert Grape? That just made me think of on Titanic when they all fight their way to the tippy-top. Uh, yes, where it's... over it's, and then yeah, they're uh-huh. all falling and dying. Yeah, yeah. It's, dude, uh-huh. tough, tough scene there. Tough looks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, not what you want at all. That was on TV the other day, and I watched it. And I was like, "God oh, damn!" I was like eight years old in the movie. There, no, I was more like eleven. But just like, like the one watching guy, people get flung off the ship, man. One guy that drops and like literally hits midway yeah, up his hit, body like, on the table, and then continues and then to flip spin. and flail, yes, and you're yes, like, he does. and yeah. you're like, ah, oh. <laughs> well, he's dead. So I, I just was surprised that this movie was not on my radar or 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 in my you know in my brain at all. Your lexicon and your lexicon. um. Diane Keaton was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Actress for this film. Uh, it, it it was nominated for several Screen Actors Screen Actors Guild Awards. Meryl Streep was nominated for a Golden Globe for the film. There's a good Rotten Tomatoes ro- uh, rating, right? So, like by by all accounts, this is this is a relatively well thought of movie from the mid '90s, starring a bunch of huge names, including young Leonardo DiCaprio and younger Meryl Streep and. It is also the name of a very popular and famous Drake song, and I, I, I just, I just, you know, it's bloated my head a little bit. Do you, do you want to know what'll make you? I mean, here's the thing. So when I originally looked into this, when at some point I became aware that this song that I, you know, in secret have have listened to thousands of times, probably huh. now, okay, hundreds of times, <laughs> hundreds of times. When Marvin's Room dropped, dude, I was all in that vibe. Like the, right. the sad right. college Ross was like, bring me the fucking Drake sadness just pour it down my throat so when i found out that it was actually named after a film and googled it or whatever what makes it even more outrageous is the plot of the film 
Yeah, the synopsis. It doesn't, it doesn't connect with the song. No, the song is about a dude being heartbroken, basically, and like just sad about women, which is just Drake's whole career, really. Uh, the plot of this film is a man who had a stroke 20 years ago, played by Hume Cronin. Who the fuck is that? R.I.P. Hume. Hume is left incapacitated and bedridden. He has been cared for by his daughter, Bessie, Diane Keaton, in their Florida home and totally ignored by his other daughter, Lee, Meryl Streep, who moved to Ohio with her husband 20 years ago and has never contacted her family. Now, however, Bessie's doctor has informed her that she has leukemia and needs a bone marrow transplant, and she turns to her sister for help. Lee, in turn, turns to her son, Hank, Leo, who has been committed to a mental institution <laughs> for setting fire to his mother's house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Barrett, he has unfortunately, he has unfortunately been sedated. Mm. When Lee finds that she may have to take over her father's care, she at first begins shopping around for nursing homes. Eventually, however, the estranged family grows close. As Bessie progressively seems to get worse, Lee comes to terms that it is now her turn to take care of her family. The film closes on Lee familiarizing herself with her father's medication as she walks into his room with his lunch, overlooking Bessie flashing the mirror that makes Marvin smile. What the hell does that have to do with Drake? I, I really, I can't say. Did also, it, God, Marvin's Room, 2011. Almost 10 years old. That's wild, too. The song. Yeah. Yeah, that's fucked up. That makes me feel old. That, yeah. But I, I, here's the thing. Like, if I was the most successful, popular rapper, hip-hop artist in the, in, the, in the world, whatever, which Drake has probably been monetarily mm-hmm. and just hit, hits-wise. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a hit machine, Ross. Yes, Drake I, is a hit machine, and I and I won't hear anything else on the matter. I won't either. I don't think yeah. you can. It's not a disputable thing. That's like a okay. fact. All right. Um, but if I was him, I guess at some point maybe I'd just start picking some of my favorite movies from my childhood or some shit. What's weird is Drake is about our age, right? Why the hell was he even familiar with Marvin's Room? Much less was he so impacted by it? And we just read the premise for you there. Mm-hmm. Probably one of the more depressing uh, synopsis of a film I've ever read. <laughs> Why was he so impacted by it that he then chose to name that song after it? Like, there's just a, just so many questions. Yeah, and such. I, that's, I know, I know, I know. So uh, yeah. Anyways, I I what here's here's the, uh, the my final thought on this. I fully expect a member of the clan fam to call in and explain exactly why this song is called Marvin's Room uh-huh, to us uh-huh. uh, on the next Smallest Militia hotline call uh, in a few weeks here at the end of August. It's been argued by Billboard that Marvin's Room was one of the songs that defined that decade. I guess the one we we just exited. Yeah. Mhm. 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 Now I'm looking up uh Ah, the title is a reference to Marvin Gaye's studio, popularly known as Marvin's Room, where Drizzy recorded the track. Okay, all right. Thank you, Genius.com. Wow. Wow. In the song, a drunk Drake calls up an old flame and vents his feelings of loneliness, reminiscing on the times they had and trying to get her to leave the new man. All right. Well, now now it's all explained. The movie and the song, no connection whatsoever. What an utter and total waste of our time. Thank God we're a movie podcast and we got to all learn about Marvin's... Look, then this is the point. He should have known there was going to be a lot of confusion around this. 
How the no, fuck? No, because he clearly did not know that this was a movie because nobody knew this was a movie. And he just knew Marvin Gaye's studio where he recorded it was called Marvin's Room, so yep. he named it that. And then there's a movie called Marvin's Room that stars Leo, Meryl Streep. Yes. Okay. Well. All right. You, are you ready to move on? Yeah, here? I guess. From the, from the Marvin's should, Room. We can talk about this the rest of the con- show. Controversy. We could go through the lyrics <laughs> and break it down. I'm just, I'm just saying. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Wow. Speaking of wow. Wow. Do you know who directed the movie You, Me, and Dupree starring Owen Wilson? Mm-mm. No, I do not. Okay. It's a couple of guys called the Russo brothers. Okay. Anthony Russo and Joseph Russo. Now, mo- in modern modern uh, 2020 culture, these guys are legends in their own right because they have directed four of the most popular and most well-reviewed uh, Avengers films. They directed Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Captain America, Civil War, and then Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So they directed all four of those films. Now. Must be nice. You get in a little bit deeper to their filmography. In between You, Me, and Dupree and Captain America, The Winter Soldier, that was 2006 to 2014, they didn't direct a single film. So they went from like a B minus <laughs> slapstick comedy film featuring Kate Hudson, Owen Wilson, and Matt Dillon, I believe, if I'm correct, to steering the ship on four of the biggest movies in cinema history so that's how the frick that's one that's one interesting thing for you to know about the russo brothers Mm -hmm. now they're doing these big action films i just told you about you and me and dupree you will also be interested to find out that these guys are big time producers and directors on some of your favorite comedies so on television they executive produced and directed numerous episodes of community and they directed episodes of Arrested Development, and they directed and produced Happy Endings, and a show that I've mentioned briefly, at least on Patreon, uh, they directed some of the episodes of Up All Night, the 2011 film, or I'm sorry, the 2011 series that starred Will Arnett and um, Christina, App- Christina Applegate, which was, uh, which, which was one of the, the shows that I really liked that ended far too soon for me. Uh, gotcha. You know, it was one that I, I would have kept on the air a, a bit longer. So- these guys, <clears throat> very talented, clearly, really know how to pick them. They are now at the helm of a $200 million Netflix movie starring Ryan Gosling and Chris Evans, and it is going to be a spy thriller. Now, the reason I bring all this up is because we also recently had a question on Patreon around, it was we were kind of doing a little interview style on the Patreon Right. What is like an immediate sell for you? Right. It was like what what get what type of stuff? What type of genre? Who? What type of actors? What What do you need to like automatically be like? Yep, I'm there. Sure. So I was already in with spy movie featuring Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, and now I know more about the Russo brothers who are at the helm, and like this is this is this is just straight catnip for me, basically. Like this sounds just incredible which one is it which what's the name of it i don't think it has a name there's so okay so oh, here's the, i'm the, on it's it's called the gray man okay here it is the gray man i'm on anthony russo's because you can't get onto both of them at the same time unless i'm mistaken anthony russo's imdb right now yeah so i just went the if you go to the if russo brothers wikipedia has the okay the stuff that i was that kind of combines them the freaking 
it, like, you know how it has the list of everything they've done and then it has a list of things that are announced and in pre-production? Right, right. They are in pre or post or announced stage on like nine projects. <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes sense that these guys would be in very, very high demand. A lot of executive producing going on there. Yes. A lot of producing going on there. Indeed. Wow. Um, but wow. yeah, man, th- th- this this is, I-, I love spy shit. Obviously, I like I, I, I'm all in for a good spy thriller, mm-hmm. and big Ryan Gosling fan. Two hundred million dollars straight to Netflix, directed by the Russo brothers. Like this is just uh, man. I'm gonna read you a couple of these other ones. This better not suck. The one of the other things in post production is called Cherry, mm-hmm. and it's starring Tom Holland and Thomas Lennon and Kelly Berglund, and it's the Russo brothers, and it's an army medic suffering from post traumatic stress disorder becomes a serial bank robber after an addiction to drugs puts him in debt. Yep, and I'm in. <laughs> Let's fucking go. Yeah. Uh, the Gray Man says in Europe, a CIA operative turned assassin. Why is everybody turned? I love these. These guys rule. A CIA CIA operative turned assassin looks to evade mysterious forces as he tries to save the lives of the daughters who don't know he exists. Okay. And then, of course, Citadel. It just says, plot kept under wraps, described as action-packed spy series. That's a TV series they're working on directing. Yeah. Citadel. TV miniseries. Okay. Do these dudes just call up IMDb and they're like, look, here's what we've got going. Their agents do. Update our page. Yeah, their agents do. That's tight. For sure. Yeah. So, now you know a little bit more about the Russo brothers. Thank you very much. A lot of slap and tickle on their IMDb page. Who went from arrest development and community to directing uh, massive major motion pictures. If anybody in the Clam Fam has information on how that came to pass. These guys, they're just ballers, man. That's it. They're, They're good at what they do. Yeah, but how do you go from Arrested Development like, to sitting in that the, room? How did they get the opportunity yeah. to direct Winter Soldier? Yeah, I don't know. Like, how do you go from the Arrested Development room? Like, it almost makes me think Ron Howard it has to be the connection to someone, to something. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because mm. he's like a Hollywood power player. Right, he's right, like, maybe so. These Russo brothers are interested in doing some stuff, and you can get them on the cheap for this first movie. And then they crush that one, and then they're given the other ones, and then I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Hollywood's yeah. crazy. You know what they say, Barrett, that it's Holly weird. Holly weird. Holly weird. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay. Speaking of Holly weird, last tidbit here. I just wanted to, I, somebody tweeted at us and a listener tweeted at us uh, talking about how Dave was left out of the Emmy nominations. And Shit, I didn't even notice that. And um, I started, that piqued my curiosity and I, I started looking through the Emmy nominations and I started figuring out. What was the what was the cutoff for things to have been released in the uh, for, to, for Emmy consideration? And as it turns out, a lot of my favorite stuff over the first half of the year, which was featured uh, on FX on Hulu or just on Hulu, mm-hmm. I'm talking High Fidelity, I'm talking Dave, I'm talking Debs, I'm talking uh, The Great, obviously. Um, all of this stuff made the cutoff to be considered for Emmys. So what what happens here is that. These networks, they usually have like they've picked a horse already and there's there's an entire season. It's called FYC for your consideration where everybody is like throwing around their marketing budget weight Mm -hmm. behind these horses that they are hoping to get nominated for award season for award season. Okay, and it matters. So if you're if you're pushing all the money in behind Handmaid's Tale for big LA billboards everywhere for FYC, 
And then you're pushing your stuff where you spent a lot of money on movie stars, like the miniseries Little Fires Everywhere, where you got Kerry Washington and Reese Witherspoon, or Mrs. America, where you have uh, Kate Blanchett and um, Rose Byrne and a, a couple, couple other like big, big names. Right. That's it. So I, I was just going to say that it, it feels to me like they very clearly like threw all the money at pushing those. And because of that, there wasn't as much attention on their other stuff like The Great, like Dave, like High Fidelity. Um, this is why people argue that awards season is kind so of, political. Yeah. Because they here's the thing, Barrett. When you think about it, if they if they let's say they go with The Great, let's say they go with Dave. Then these A-listers that they've enlisted to be on these other programs are like, ah, uh, hey, right. what the shit? Never working with Hulu on FX ever again. You know what I'm saying? But that's unfortunate because I have a really hard time imagining that everything nominated is better than uh, The Great, better than Dave, better than High Fidelity. Yeah. I, 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 I mean, it's possible, I suppose. But it seems you should go with your best shit, not with your most like A list. We need to throw money behind this. It'll, it's that's. But this has always been the problem. Yeah, and sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. And I, I th- this clearly felt like a year where, and you know, like maybe it's a thing where they didn't realize quite what they had with the great. Maybe they didn't realize how good it, that that actually was. Same with Dave. You could it, probably say that that could have been the case. It has been. It did get a, the great was nominated just for none of the major awards. It was nominated for outstanding directing and outstanding writing. So they gave him a little something, something. And once again, this is an interesting thing where uh, the great is under comedy series, even though it's pretty dramatic and it's an hour long show. It is very funny. So times. it's just, it's oh, I mean, it's hysterical. Yeah. So I don't I don't hate that it's that it's yeah. under comedy series, but it's just. Weird. That, that's another thing where it's like, what is it really? What category should like it be in? a period piece with should, a bunch of drama and some laughs. Shouldn't lap. this just really boil down to, at this point to like 30 and 60 minute shows? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, Devs, I think, was nominated for maybe some visual or effects type nominations. Sure, that makes sense. Um, and then the thing with Dave is you got as Dave resonated big time with us, obviously. Very much aimed right at our And heads. it's right at us. Right, it's aimed right at us. But it is it's it's a niche comedy. Yeah. And surface level, it's very crude. It or it can be very crude. Oh, for sure. And it's just like like I, I imagine that a large portion of the voting body like gets the screeners for Dave. Uh-huh. Watches the first two episodes or and first just, three episodes where there is a gross rubber flop floppy sex doll <laughs> and a scene that involves uh, something called milking. A milking table. Um and are like, yeah, no. Nah, you know, it, like that's, and yeah. they're out on that because that is, it's so highly specific and niche and you have to, yeah, you're, you're, you, I'm got, you gotta know who Lil Dicky is. And then you also have to make it into that, ba- the back half of the season before it really gets going on like all of its kind of bigger message Social type stuff. And shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm imagining a room filled with old white people. Right. There's a lot of those. And I'm running I, Hulu and they're like, <laughs> well, this is disturbing. So it's not, the, the, Dave, it's, it's, it's more of a shocker to me that the great wasn't uh, di- didn't get more nominations yeah, than, it, than it is that Dave lacks some of the nominations. Totally with you there. That's completely so, fair. Yeah. Especially because Dave was aimed right at us and because I could see the people who vote on this type of thing being like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. What's the but, deal here? I, I mean, it, here's how far you have to look to know, we, we mentioned uh, the, the Emmy nominations last week, Stranger Things and The Morning Show are both nominated for Outstanding Drama. That's that's political. That's money. That that's Netflix 
throwing marketing behind Stranger Things. That is Apple, Apple, like, you know. That's bullshit. Throwing a duffel bag down on the table and being like, we won an award. Yeah, because here's the thing. We better get nominated for an award. We all know the we great- We spent $150 million on this first season. We better get a fucking award. Yeah, what's another $3 million to get to get like, our name on this list? So, But there's no way. This is the thing that makes these award shows frustrating and not matter, because there's no way that anybody with a with like a sound, critical mind would watch those shows, watch the great, and go- Oh, these are much better. Yeah, right. Exactly. No, yeah. the great shits all over those shows. Yes. Huzzah! Indeed. Any other uh, tidbits and such? Uh, that wraps up my tidbits and such. God, that was good stuff. Good stuff. Remember when we talked about Marvin's Room, the movie, for five minutes? <laughs> it might have been ten. <laughs> Look, I think it was worth it. Yeah. And that I'll, I'll take. I'll, I'll say that was on both of us. I'll <laughs> take at least half of the uh, the blame there. Let's move into penultimate Perry Mason. Okay. Chapter seven. All right. A lot happening here, Barrett. Um, we open with Sister Alice and her mother broken down on the side of the road. Some nice Christian man stops to help them by, they've run out of gas, they're not broken down. Which, again, just a bad, bad, like, bad mom. I've run out of gas one time in my life, Barrett. One time! And I am a moron behind the wheel. (laughs) The fact that I've only done it once... And then her mother did it, and then it resulted in uh, what was essentially now the, 1918 or 1920, sure. whatever. The far fewer gas off. stations. You yeah, know? far fewer gas stations, and you know who could trust the E and the F on those fuckers? Exa- exactly. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But then, riddle me this: What the hell happened here? Sister Alice is is a small girl. Let's mm-hmm. say she's I don't know, 14, standing in a field. Seems to be having some type of premonition or spiritual experience out there, like, yep, yep. so that makes her on the wavelength with God from a young age, is what mm-hmm. they're trying to paint as, as this picture of. Her mother is helped out by this seemingly very nice, normal family man, it seems, who then, after giving them some gas, and then, and then she's like, well, fuck, where's the next station? And he's like, ha well, there really isn't one that close, you know, you could roll the dice and try out whatever trenton new jersey whatever he says (laughs) and she's like ah well we don't want to do that we need more help and he's like well that first bit of help there that was free (laughs) but this next bit of help i want to fuck your underage daughter (laughs) things escalated so quickly from like i'm a good guy and here's my gas can to like what about your girl in the field out there? Now, you riddle me this, though. Or don't riddle riddle it to me. You uh-huh. can tell it to me straight. You knew that this guy was up to no good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay, all right. Absolutely. All right. Well, because we were watching Perry Mason. Yeah, yeah. Penultimate Perry Mason. And penultimate Perry Mason. It wasn't going to be like, Okay, I'm just making can. sure that yeah, you yeah. weren't like, oh, thank God this nice gentleman is here to help them out in the middle of nowhere on the side of the road, and I'm watching this series on HBO, and everything's going to be totally yeah, I, fine no, with this little you. girl out there on the field. And her mom, who she has a really complicated relationship with. Yes, we all knew something <laughs> bad was coming. It would have been so silly if they had like poured the gas in and been like, Thank thanks you, again, sir. stranger. And then the Perry Mason title screen came up and that was the rest of the episode started rolling. That would have been yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah. But still, like, all right, we knew these people were jacked up. We've known that Sister Alice and her mother have a very strange relationship just based on the conversations we get with them. But now we're starting to get a ba- like a backlog of just how insane these two people in their lives have been and how long Sister Alice has been enduring what it would amounts to abuse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, and I think I, I think through the first six episodes, we clearly knew that that it was a rough road for them to get where they were now. Right. There were references to like the, te- the traveling tent type uh, 
type show. The hustle. The, they yeah, hustled they were their hust- way up. Right. They were hustlers. Absolutely. To the and top so of this church. here we see that they, uh, you know, were, were put in some really bad situations that mom clearly uh, did not make good decisions no no she didn't attempt to offer herself up here at the very least which even that would be patently insane but like it just straight she folds immediately and you almost get the impression this is not the first time Uh, right oh yeah yeah that this has happened many times before that she has used her daughter as a sexual tool to as a means to get things so we start out there and um then things get a lot sunnier no the whole episode is just a brutal beating i mean literally at one point at the end there Perry is beaten so... This whole episode, he's getting his ass beat, dude, by, by like, when they're at the... Fu- okay, we'll just go step by step here, because it's too, <laughs> it's too much. I can't, I can't jump around. From there, we get back into, like, how are they going to win this case? How are they going to, uh, you know, flip this jury that has clearly, from the first couple episodes of trial, is clearly going to be leaning toward it, it, prosecute... Or what is it called? Um, Conviction. Convicting this woman, Emily Dodson, of the murder of her child. By the end of the episode, we, for the final first time, have a full picture of what exactly occurred here. Yes. And it is a result of debt by the church in the amount of $100,000. Mm-hmm. They tr- basically tried to pull off a scam where it was planned that the little boy, what's the name of the child? who is now past Emily Dodson's son. Charlie. Charlie Dodson. Charlie. Charlie. (laughs) He he was going to be taken to another place, right? Held there, fed by a nursemaid, essentially, and then eventually returned to his family, I think was the goal. Yes, they were going to ransom him, return him to his family. And the connection here is we got Seidel, the the head of the church's accounts basically right and george gannon who's an who is an accountant working under Seidel. who replaced the former who accountant who gives the, perry the information in the last episode that's we got. correct and so george gannon obviously has the relationship with emily, emily dodson. dodson and uh they and then they get the police involved too because of the one of the connections from denver where it's like right. i think Seidel and Ennis and or or, or Pollock, the the two Whatever Pollocks. The, the, those three dudes knew each other. Yeah, the the three dudes knew each other. So that that's the little that's the team here is Ennis the cop, the two the two Polish guys, and Seidel and Gannon from the church. Now, so does Emily Dodson's I guess husband still her the father of him the rich guy is he completely in the dark here? Herman Baggerly. Yes. The 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 dad of Emily Dodson's estranged now estranged husband, who was also estranged from his father, they didn't w- was completely in the dark about the kidnapping. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Was Emily completely in the dark about the kidnapping? Yes. Okay. So, what we find out is that this milkmaid, Ennis, clearly probably is the guy who came up with this side of the scheme. It seems uh, yes. like. Oh yeah. And uh, all these prostitutes know him. And he's got them all junked up. He brought one of them with him to sew the eyes of the baby. I'm not clear on why that part needed to be done yet. I guess to make it look even creepier and more occult and d- d- just disturbing and confusing, perhaps. 
No, no, no. That wait. Why do you think he brought one of them to sew the eyes? Because Perry ends up interview. Like he Perry goes to the whorehouse to find people who have interacted with Ennis, right? Yeah, and the one he's looking for is the milk the milker who's dead. Who's because, dead? Because as the girl tells Perry, Ennis came and got her yeah. like a couple weeks ago. She came back because pumped full of heroin. Right. And they are, and she was obviously a heroin addict. Almost all the girls in there are. Right. And that's how the baby died. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Because the milkmaid was addicted to heroin. Right. And as Perry asks the coroner, yeah. what would happen to an infant nursing from a mother who was addicted to smack? He says he would suffocate. Right. We've already gotten that so the, part. So the, the sewn open eyes was for the benefit of them looking out at the train. It was to make the baby look like it was alive. Oh, God. Yeah. Oh, it got really dark. Yeah. It was to try to get the deal to go through and get the money. Bro. Because the baby was already dead. Bro. Yeah. Why? Yeah. But oh. I, so I don't know. I, I didn't, I, I don't think we are totally. Did, did you think there was a, an implication of who sewed the eyes? That's why he went. Yeah. I, the implication for me was that he brought that. Asian woman uh-huh. to sew the eyes for him because that was like something or some I don't know I, there, whatever the point being that woman went with him to try and fix this oh I thought she, I, I I took away that she went with him to milk the baby no I think the baby was in the whorehouse being milked there and was going to be kept there in secret no the baby was at the hotel right oh yeah 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 okay okay so she was just taken to feed the baby yeah to feed Charlie and then the eyes thing on the side has nothing to do with... I don't It doesn't think matter so. who sewed the eyes open. The point is that they were trying to make the baby look alive so they yeah. could still get the deal to go through, get the $100,000. Yes. And at least that part would have been cleaned up. Yeah. That doesn't happen. No. Obviously. Uh, Charlie ends up dead. Ennis has to take out the milkmaid. He does that, um, which eventually leads to Perry doing what... Forcing the coroner to do yet another sort of autopsy, sort of... Not an autopsy, but take out the body and explain to him and they have the conversation, they piece it all together... Uh, and also, Ennis has to murder the shit out of which, what's this, Seidel? Seidel. Who's been on the run, who Perry's boy from uh, from Boardwalk Empire failed to keep tabs on. That was many, many stab wounds, Ross. That was a lot of stabs. So I'm sitting in bed last <laughs> night, and I'm, I'm eating a bowl of Cheerios, okay? Like, I'm a little high, just ready for night, ready for sleeps. I was, what, 50 stab? Why did he have to stab him so many times? <laughs> Ennis is a psycho, yeah, is the yeah, point. Yeah, But, yeah. oh, like to the point where he was, exa- he was like, I guess I'll keep going until this is a workout and I'm exhausted <laughs> enough. Yeah, it was it was very intense. Jeez um, Louise. Also, I, I, I was on pins and needles the entire time that our man Pete Strickland was chasing after Seidel through the crowd. I thought for sure Ennis was just going to be like, you know, there and he was going to get shanked. Because we've been thinking Pete's screwed. Yeah. I thought for sure Pete was screwed. I thought for sure Pete was getting shanked in the crowd. So that that had me right up on edge. Then, okay. So first let's talk about Strickland because he bows out. He basically tells Perry, I'm done. This was the last time you're shoveling your shit in my mouth. Mm -hmm. Peace, deuces. Do you think he comes back or was that legit an exit for him? Because that's a weird, pretty much... I mean, because Strickland on the way out is like, you should go get that cop, Drake. And then five minutes later, Drake is like, hi, you didn't even have to come get me. <laughs> I have your next break in the case. Yeah. Uh, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, I can't quite tell. Can't tell either, but it'd be a weird exit. But I I'm saying. think he still 
is in the crosshairs. Yeah, he has to die. I think he's going to die. And I think he's going to come back. They had this, you know, they had this big fallout. He's going to somehow come to his senses or find something accidentally. Yeah, I I think so. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe, I, I don't know how many, you know, PIs Perry needs in future seasons. It's it, it it's a little weird to get Shea Wiggum for only one season, right? Yes, but the way it's unfolded, it it feels like, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. That's yeah, the that's, thing. That's the other thing. Because that... you kind of predicted, like, okay, Officer Drake is clearly probably going to be the guy who's, mm-hmm. uh, and based on some of the Perry Mason TV stuff, you were like, this is the guy who's going to be sort of his sidekick moving right. forward. Right. Where does that leave Strickland? And that's why we were like, well, he's a dead man. <laughs> but... It's almost too obvious now. Like, it's yeah. like, well, okay, so they had a falling out. Drake immediately comes in and replaces him. And then it's like, now we're just going to watch Pete die in the right, final episode. Right. And that'll be that. And based on who the actor is, I'm, I'm struggling with it too. I'm not sure. Yeah. Jury's still out. Not sure. Uh, next thing. Let's talk about Sister Alice attempting to resurrect baby Charlie. Okay. <laughs> um, just because we have to. Did, was baby Charlie cremated? Don't know. I don't know where baby Charlie I th- I thought, is. I thought he was. Okay, it doesn't matter. Cast gets empty. Uh, the whole thing is a total disaster. She can't even get it open at first. She's speaking in tongues. Everybody is there ready to, like, literally, I mean, crucify her for lack of a better term. Uh, uh, Perry Mason and everyone else is fighting to get as close as they can to the casket. And then once she opens it up and it's empty, and the one guy yells, It's all lies! <laughs> Then everyone in the crowd, for some reason, is like, well, let's just beat the shit out of each other. <laughs> it's Elder Brown, right? Who yeah. does the, it's all lies. Yes. Oh, he was just waiting. Okay. He, was wa- he, he got exactly what he wanted. Yeah. As she's struggling to open it, he's like, yes, <laughs> yes, good. And then all hell breaks loose. But I don't understand why everybody in Los Angeles is just down to beat each other's ass. <laughs> Like, what is with the fist? So Perry literally is just trying to make his way back out of the crowd and get to get Emily and get her to a car, and random dudes are coming up like throwing haymakers at him. Everybody's just so mad. They're just really mad. Everybody's so pissed off. Dude. Yeah, yeah. It's just been anger that's been ready to boil over as a result of uh, just the entire situation in, in the United States, yeah, I guess. Yeah, and you got to think that anybody that would go to this graveyard to see this has an investment one way or the other. They Fair either want to see her fail or they totally, they're, they're all in, they're buying it, they're here to see a resurrection. Yeah. And so when 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 we open the casket and it's nothing but like a also there's like a stain in the casket which is kind of weird. I don't, like, I don't did know. somebody take the baby? Maybe. Maybe. I, I don't even want to know. I don't know. I just yeah. know he's empty. He's it, gone. But it's he's empty. Not in it's yeah. empty. And so everybody that just that just sends everybody ah! in, <laughs> into a tiff. <laughs> so at that point, Perry gets the crap beat out of him. He gets Emily out of there. Uh, I mean, the whole thing was he was trying to stop this attempt from even happening because he believes it totally destroys his case. Right, He thinks if they attempt this resurrection, the jury is going to sentence Emily Dodson. Yeah, I think that, right. It's I think it's optics, mostly. Yeah. But the fact that she's so intent on trying to bring this baby back through means that, guilty. Doesn't, that don't seem real um, makes her seem guilty. Yeah. And as Sister Alice tells her, you know... I'm I'm claiming to do to be able to do something that hasn't been done in two thousand years right. at a minimum, um, and it makes me wonder. So why do you, like for you? Why do you think Sister Alice even attempts it? I don't know. Does I, she I don't, partially I, believe? I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on with Sister Alice. Yeah. I didn't totally understand the ending where she's or I didn't know what she's running towards. We'll get to that. 
we'll get to it. Yeah. Um, well, let's, fuck, yeah, let's I, talk I, about that right now. I don't know. I don't know. As a result of false resurrection, failed resurrection, she gets to a car and her mom, and she's almost in like a catatonic state, right? She's like very out of it. Her mom's trying to talk to her and she's like, what? Her mom has already set up a fucking side story for if it failed. Yes. And it is, she tells the driver, turn right on Riverside or whatever. And he's like, shouldn't we follow the motorcycles? And she's like, do what I say. They turn right on Riverside and lo and behold, a small white baby that looks like Charlie sort of has just been discovered by a crowd that has gathered. And then she tries to sell this off as, this is the miracle. This is Charlie Dodson back mm-hmm. from the dead. He wasn't in the casket. He was over here in the middle of the street on Riverside. <laughs> and uh, all these people are like, what? And you can tell it's like the crowd is sort of confused. They're like, I don't know, lady. You're just you sound a little fucking crazy. And then so she's like, okay, well, we got to get Sister Alice over here. If Sister Alice starts yelling this shit, then everybody will be in. And Sister Alice takes one look at this kid and is like, nope, I'm done with the crazy mom games. And just full sprints down the street. At this point, what I took from that was like, this is a total and utter mental break. This is a woman who her entire life has lived under her mom's thumb, doing her bidding, doing not only illegal, but just morally unquestionably shitty things on behalf of her mother. And she can't do this one. She, she's out. This was the last straw. She sprints down the street and leaves her mother holding this strange child, which, again, reminded me of that uh, Angelina Jolie movie, what the f- changeling changeling thank you because in la i guess in this period there was a lot of babies being switched and swapped and sold and adopted under false pretenses and crazy shit like that right right um but yeah so she, i don't know where sister alice goes from here in terms of the story like is is like is she because how do we wrap up her storyline you know what i mean yeah, yeah. Is she going to come back and like damn every like be some kind of evidence to the church's crookedness and Maybe. messed upness? Maybe. It, it just seems very. Does she get to Perry and somehow give him something he can use as well? Because it seems like several people are going to have to break toward giving Perry stuff he can use in this final episode for things to get turned around, right? Strickland, perhaps. Sister Alice, perhaps. Drake, we saw come through in, in the penultimate. Anyway, I'm just curious to see. Where this because Sister Alice was literally that was a 50% focus of this season, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's about 50 50 between Perry and Sister Alice and everything going on at the church. They have to close it in a way that makes all that make sense. I'm just looking forward to seeing what that is because, as you said, there's not much to take away from the full sprint down Riverside Road or whatever at the end, other than that clearly she wants nothing to do with her mother and this fucking lie anymore, right? Yeah, um, now that doesn't change the fact that. The, you know, the vision to go resurrect the baby was her idea in the first place. It's not like that that part of the scheme was hatched by, ha- her, hatched by her mom. So her, her mom is kind of like, you know, here on the back end, tying up a loose end and, and, and kind of, you know, she's got the plan B ready to go to, to make this to make this look better. And then Alice, uh, then Alice, you know, she it's breaks like, nah. and makes a run for it. So, yeah, um, I, I don't know, but I really, really liked this episode as a whole. Uh, I, I was appreciative of, fact, of the fact that they kind of wrapped it all up for us, the case, the uh, case-wise. Right. We now have all the puzzle pieces, basically. Yep. Unless there's some other wild card that Alice is going to kind of inject here at the, at the 
very end. Another twist. And one one last twist. But um, yeah, I thought the performances were really strong and just as always with the show, visuals are are incredible. Um, the 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 mayhem in the graveyard, all although strange, was was really you know frenetic and had crazy energy. A lot of anxiety during this episode. Yeah, yeah. This shit was uh-huh. wild. So it, it it all it you know I'm enjoying Perry's turns in the in the courtroom. So it's it's been it's been good. Last thing, when he's in the uh, whorehouse investigating, Perry Mason is uh-huh, uh-huh. discovers the whole you know scheme that he needs, and then these guys bust in and are like, "Ah, you're a cop," or I don't know. Then they just they just I mean they pound on this dude. Mm-hmm. Like he probably gets punched in the face, kicked in the stomach, and punched in the stomach like roughly a hundred times in, in in like a minute and a half. Like I was like, oh, he's gonna die or something. Like this was a beat, a savage beating to the point that like I'm not sure you wouldn't just be immediately hospitalized. Officer Drake comes up, clubs the guy who's about to chain him to death. I guess was what was about to happen there. I guess in general these these uh, heroin whorehouses they don't want anybody getting out with their business, so mm. they've got dudes who are there to yeah. pound. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's the the enforcement, you know. You gotta ha- yeah. you gotta have it when you're running an establishment such as that one. I guess so. <laughs> um, thankfully, Officer Drake comes through with the billy club and knocks this dude with the chain out, mm-hmm. and then like immediately drops a joke on Perry, <laughs> like "Tell me about your way of doing things again" or whatever. And I'm like, dude, he's dying. Like, but obviously he's fine. I'm just. It t- looks like in the noir period, you could take a hell of a beating. It's like a John Wayne movie, man. Like this guy got hit so many times by like 15 different people on his way out gotta commend them on how real and again you said frenetic how frenetic the energy was throughout the course of the episode how real they made the fight scenes look like the beatings he was taking i was like dude and this is after he got the crap kicked out of him in the graveyard and is having to throw down with a bunch of random psycho los angeles citizens it was just wild i felt every single punch and then when they chunk him out the door like that looks so real that was the most, we've seen dudes be thrown on a bar, stores, all manner of things in movies and TV shows all over the place. That was maybe the best one I've ever seen executed. He's got real air underneath him. He lands hard. Mm-hmm. And you feel that. And then the dude follows him out with a chain. It's just all around. Very impressive episode. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Can't wait for the finale. Don't know how this ends. I'm assuming we, I'm assuming this is something that they're going to go another season with based on the setup with this storyline no it'll be a different story for each season right yeah 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 no i i i definitely think that the the case of charlie dodson will be completely wrapped completely up yeah 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 indeed yeah. and there's your penultimate perry mason on to top five denzel washington movies oh my how difficult was this for you um not too different. Not 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 all that difficult, Ross. The thing that I've been really kind of noticing as we go back and we do these top fives is that a- as much knowledge of film as I have, it, you know, it's a stretch to really call myself like a true film buff. There's just too much that I haven't seen. Mm. You know what I mean? Sure. So it, it, when you it, scroll through a Denzel Washington list, there's a lot there. It's a lot of movies to keep up with, man. There, there are quite a few, and so there are certainly ones. Uh, I, I think this one was was easy because 
there are I, I go through this list and although there are movies that I know I should have seen that I haven't like Fences and like Flight um, the ones that stand out to me stand out to me very loud very clear mm. so so for for that you know those are I, I, I see these movies and I'm like not only is it ju- are they just such Denzel movies but they're also awesome movies rewatchable movies just you know they, they've they've got a, a good Denzel movie has a lot of Denzel. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that that's that's a thing about them. My number one is like nowhere near the top of any of the lists I checked. I feel, I, and I thought it would be closer to the top. For, mo, for I, I'm just like a little surprised. So when we get to that, we'll get to that. But uh, you want to start with your five? Um, well, first, were there just any? Were there any that you wanted to mention that did not make your list? Yes, quite a few. It turns out I've seen a hell of a lot of Denzel Washington movies. <laughs> um, he's been in a lot of stuff. But Glory is a great movie that didn't make my list. It's too many... Uh, like I, His character's great. The movie is great. It's, it's a Civil War movie. Um, it's just... I don't really look at that... Like You just said a Denzel Washington movie has a lot, a lot of Denzel. Mm-hmm. He doesn't carry that the way he carries a lot of the other shit on my list. Like where he is the guy... You know what I'm saying? Uh, have you seen the book of Eli? I have. Okay, I just wanted to take a second to poop on that. That's not a good movie. <laughs> That's not a good movie. The premise is ass. And then, like, on a lot of these lists, my number one is ranked behind that piece of shit, which really upset me. And again, I'm teasing you. Is we'll ranking behind? Is it ranks behind? As in, like, people thought my number one was worse than the book of Eli. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, man, now I'm. Now I am just. I've, I've, we'll do another Leo thing. Now I have your attention. Thrilled to, to hear what, what that movie is. Uh huh. Oh, uh-huh. wait. I actually, no, no, I know what it is. What and now, and yeah, I know, you know. Yeah, now I know what you Yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah, of course. Um, The Bone Collector. Awesome movie. Great movie. Not on my top five. There's also, um, so in, a, in several of our top fives, I have included movies that some would say are not that great, mm-hmm. but that are a lot of fun. In personal favorites. In personal favorites. Um, so I, the, the one that you just mentioned that's going to be close to the top of both of our lists, if not at the very top of it, is one that, that kind of fits that that narrative. But really, the type that I'm thinking of are like The Taking of Pelham 1, 2, 3, yeah. Safe House, yeah. Two Guns, The Equalizer, Inside Man, Deja Vu. Um, so Deja Vu was solid. That's a solid little movie, but not a top five Denzel movie. Yeah. So, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't, there's, the, taking a Pelham 1, 2, 3 is the train one, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's a dope movie too, man. Antoine there, Fisher. There are a lot of good kind of like of those, those kind of 2000 style action movies that Denzel did that are um, fun to watch, but just his, his, his others are stronger. The Hurricane. Did you ever watch The Hurricane? The Hurricane. Great movie. Not in my top five. Yeah. Just because I'm more like, basically my top five Denzel movies are the ones I've rewatched the most out of a, out of enjoying them so much that I felt they needed to be rewatched. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you want to go five? Yeah. My number five is Remember the Titans. Same. It, it feels like it has to be on the list out of respect for the movie. I agree. How many times I've watched it, how it's one of my favorite sports movies ever. It's just an iconic role. 
that was like in the heart of our high school experience where like a high school football movie like that really fucking hit home. And uh, he crushes it. I just can't put it above the other four on my list, so it has to be five. But what a great movie. When's the last time you hit and watched uh, some Remember the Titans? Uh, it's been a while. Yeah, for me too. The, it's not a movie. I'm with you. It's on my list out of respect. It's yeah. a fantastic movie. If somebody made me sit down and watch it, I would enjoy it. You know? Mm-hmm. It's a feel-good movie. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a tale about our history. It, it includes a lot of the... The you know the pieces of of our of our nation's past with with racism in in the uh, in the era, and um, you know it it's it's got a lot of good stuff to it. it. It's just not it's not a movie that that I like that I want I find myself wanting to watch. Sure. So I mean it's it's a long you know it's a long ass movie about high school football and race. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. But it's my number five. Okay. What's your number four? You want me to go on four? Yeah. Okay. My number this four is, is- where it gets difficult. My number four is American Gangster. Okay. See, I just literally bumped that. Off of your top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, just a great, great film. Two powerhouse performances, man. I, they, it's always- a, it's, it's fun- when, like, we talked about the Chris Evans, Ryan Gosling film that's coming to Netflix, yeah. the spy thriller. Yeah. It, it's going to be Chris Evans and Ryan Gosling, I imagine, kind of going at each other, right? Right. That's a, always a great plot. So when you put Russell Crowe and you put Denzel Washington and the movie is about them, like, trying to get in one another, that's, you, you're, you're ready for fireworks. It's also, like, a kind of a scary Denzel performance. Yeah. Like he's so bad. Go- he's dude. so good in the role. So scary so scary and i don't feel like denzel gets to play well i I, when you think of denzel you think of a good guy i feel like well that was always the joke about uh training day obviously that like he had to go i think it was a jada kiss song where he makes a reference to the fact that denzel had to play a crooked cop to win an oscar Mm -hmm. and uh he says something else about halle berry that i won't repeat but um yeah you typically think of him as like you're all American, badass, good guy, sort mm-hmm. of. Like, uh, in my number one, that's certainly the role he plays. Yeah, yeah. So what you got for four? So I bumped American Gangster out of there, and here's I'll give you my why first. This was going to be my four, and I put in Flight. American Gangster was had so much hype for me that when I saw it, it didn't live up to it. And it just never recovered from that initial, like, I, I I thought we were looking at the next Scarface movie, okay? Mm-hmm. And in fairness, it's probably better than I give it credit for because of that, and because I've only I've only watched it a couple few times, okay? None of which were in the last five years, and I'm betting it has aged well based on what I remember of the movie. The only thing that probably hasn't is Ti and his <laughs> performance. Yeah. Um. But all in all, yeah, it is a pretty horrifying like. There's so many good, badass, incredibly memorable scenes in that movie. Like when he finally puts on the mink coat that his wife got him and he finally is like, fuck it, I'll ball out and break my own rule. Goes to the boxing match. Immediately it backfires. He goes (laughs) home and burns the like $20,000 mink coat or whatever. There's just the part where he he, he straight up uh, goes outside and broad daylight executes the dude from The Wire 
and then puts a tip in a jar or whatever next to his corpse and just walks off is the closest thing to like what uh what didn't trump say he could murder somebody in the middle uh, right of Fifth Avenue? Fifth Avenue that yeah. was like the only closest thing i could compare that to in a movie was denzel doing that dude in uh american gangster yeah yeah Another thing that makes American Gangster super, super, super memorable to me is Jay-Z doing an entire album yes, as yes, also a that. sort of tribute uh, to it. Look, I'm not going to lie. That definitely is part of the reason why this movie stands out to me. I think. And it's part of the reason it was just my number four and that I bumped it the last second. I yeah. love that album, man. Man, I just I, I know we're already into our lists, but where where we lack in the movies that we've seen also is always the same time period and it's just because of our age yeah it's an we, age we, problem we we missed a lot of these movies from these actors that are in the in the range of Denzel but like his 90s run was incredible and i just haven't seen these haven't seen these films i've never seen Malcolm X i've never seen The Pelican Brief i've never seen Philadelphia i've never seen Crimson Tide i've never seen Courage Under Fire see i've seen a bunch of them so like i haven't seen Malcolm X so the the those movies probably i at least one of them probably belongs on this list. Yeah. Well, that's always, um, dude. We can't watch every movie from every actor. It's and so, impossible. and so, uh, uh, mine at least always just skew more towards the two thousands and and beyond. And I know that. So and that's it's just a, it's just a blind spot for me. That's why I'm throwing flight in there. It's more of a recency bias. It's just a great performance in an incredibly crazy. Like it's just a cool story, dude. And the guys like the first twenty minutes of that movie alone, you're like, holy shit, just locks you in. Big fun. Big fun. So Flight is my number four. What's your four? Uh, American Gangster was my four. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, my give... three is Inside Man. No shit. Yeah, that's an awesome, Dude, awesome movie. It's it's highly underrated. Yeah. I will say that about Inside Man. I went back and watched this one within the last few years. It's just a badass bank robbery, twisty, turny. Yes. Like, I can't even remember off the top of my head right now exactly what the twist was. I might go watch it again tonight. There's an inside man, Ross. Oh, I know there's an inside man, <laughs> but I don't remember who the inside man is or it how is, it ins- it, it how is, we find out he's inside. I'm pretty sure there's a there's a second twist as well. There's a there's a couple of twists. There's it's great. Did Just, you see the sequel, The Man Inside Me? <laughs> I did not. No, no, no. no. Um, yeah, but I, I think dozens of people did. Uh, again imagine having never watched Arrested Development and listening to this podcast <laughs> like you just have no idea what's going on 6% of the time um, here th- here's what you need to know about this movie directed by Spike Lee stars Denzel Washington Clive Owen Jodie Foster Christopher Plummer and, Will- and Willem Dafoe and she would tell EGO4 like it is a very sick movie I it's like a banger it. I'm a sucker for a heist movie like you, you telling me about the bank robbery one, the Cherry movie coming from the Russo brothers yeah. as well. Now I'm not sure which I'm more excited for, Cherry or uh, the Gray Man. Fucking Cherry. So great names for their movies, the Russo brothers. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And like you said, this one I think has aged very well. Mm. I don't think it, it. It wasn't. Feel like it had middling or mixed reviews when it came out. So it came out in 2006. And it just had that. It had that like cheesy action movie feel to the trailer especially and i feel like a lot of people just sort of wrote it off as a silly action movie but i feel like really well executed and well acted i feel like it's i feel like it's kind of aged well and is now considered to be a a good one a very it's a great a a great heist film like you said denzel washington clive owen jodie foster christopher Plummer. it's and it's directed by spike lee it's like that's a good little run right there yeah of people to be in a movie my number three is Philadelphia. I've seen this movie a couple times. It is just an incredibly powerful and and moving performance from both Tom Hanks and Denzel Washington. 
It's where he like he represents a dying gay man with AIDS. And uh, and it's nuts. And it was like one of the fir- I watched this when I was younger, and it was one of the first very powerful dramatic movies that was like out of my element. Let me put it that way, like out of my little white bubble that I lived in up until that age or whatever. Mm-hmm. That I was like, God damn, this is fucking real, like very real movie, and just an incredible all around film. Both the dudes, and that's the one that in mind I'll say is like. I think Denzel is the man in every other movie except for Philadelphia. He shares that with Tom Hanks, obviously, and he's not the man. It's just his performance in the movie is so classic and good at this point that I have to put it at number three. Yeah. What's your three? Uh, my three was Inside Man. Oh, but I'm always so, one one behind you mentally. This leaves only two movies, which will be our numbers one and two, and it sounds like we have them uh, flip-flopped. Let's so, see. Let's see. So which would you like to talk about first, Training Day or Man on Fire? Oh, man. We really have the same one and two. That is some fucking shit. Uh, what you put as one. So I've got Training Day as my number one. I've got Man on Fire. Thank. Well, see, we did good. Right. We got differences. Because it's the Denzel Washington movie I have watched the most times. And in and fucking training day is right behind it. It's just that training day is such a beating. It is the whole time. Like you're just like, good God. It's also very clear as to why he won his his Academy Award for that performance. He's terrifying. One of the more memorable, incredible bad guy performances ever, dude. Everything he does, you're like, oh my God, fuck this guy. I need him to die. And then by the time you're actually watching him die. You're just like, wow, what a powerful piece of shit that guy was. Yeah. <laughs> King Kong ain't got shit on me. There's just so it's, many it's lines iconic. from that movie. It's iconic. Dude. Yeah. yeah. That's the that's the thing about training day is that it's it's just it's it's iconic. The the lines, the plot, like that role badass badass storyline, just um, a great original idea for a movie. And it's literally the course of a for those of you who have never seen it, sorry, first of all, spoiler alert. It's the course of a day of a cop being transferred into a new division and his the dude he's put under or his partner is crooked as hell and is played by Denzel. And then over the course of that day, everything that unfolds. And that day, it is a wild one, his training day. Uh, at one point, Denzel has him smoking PCP. <laughs> it's so iconic that it made it into Dave, Dave Chappelle, Chappelle show skits and shit. Like... <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's just unbelievably good. I, it's like, it, it could have flipped either way, man. I could have put Training Day as my number one. I could have put Man on Fire as my number one. Man on Fire is just a movie that happened to strike me in such a way that I, uh, it's one of my all-time favorite films, dude. Like, it's it's relatively simple and straightforward. It's kind of over-edited. Like, there's too much of like the, and then they're like flashing around the screen. It's like, dude, just leave the screen still. Why are you fucking the dude? What's his name that directed it? Um, oh my god, Tony Scott. So, so disrespectful. Is he the late one? Is he still alive? Is think, my question. I think, he, I think he is the late brother of the two. Yep, he died in 2012. Yeah. Um. So he did Top Gun, Beverly Hills Cop Two. True Romance, Crimson Tide, Enemy of the State, Man on Fire, Deja Vu. He liked Denzel, it appears. Uh, I just love that fucking movie, man. It just, everything about it stuck with me. The way he's like willing to sacrifice, the whole, the whole movie is this man who is broken, finding a reason to live again yep. in the form of a little girl, and 
she's unbelievable in it as well. And then the uh, the ensuing chaos yeah. of him trying to save her life. Th- this is also just uh, uh, one of those moments where, like, I, I, and I do feel like critics have gotten better about this, actually. But look at listen to the discrepancy here from Rotten Tomatoes. 39% on the tomato meter, 89% audience score. Yeah. Like, critics just didn't. They clearly watched this movie and picked it apart for, I don't know, narrative flaws rather than just allowing this movie to wash over you and enjoying it because it's an enjoyable film. And I feel like they're a little bit better about that these days. Maybe it's because we get so many superhero films. That I was going to say, it, it feels it, like The Avengers is a big it, reason for this. It's like you have to just – at some point you have to say – was this movie fun to watch? Like, did it have like a like a good story? Did I did I enjoy my time? Rather than just saying, oh, well, that piece of the plot didn't really make sense. And like, oh, do they really need to make it so vi-? like just you know like you know what I'm talking about, dude? It's the whole movie's just him going around executing bad dudes, yeah. in tight ways, right? And what's not to like about that? Like, is it kind of some revenge porn? Sure, but that's that's okay every once in a while. I it's think it's like John Wickish pre John yes, Wick. Yes, exactly. A, a film that has. Fantastic reviews, I yeah. will say. Yeah. Like again, like I think, I in 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 a lot of ways, I do think that critics have gotten better about recognizing when a film is good because it's fun to watch and enjoyable. I wish you had more time. And that, and like you said, that and and that's the thing. Man on Fire, it doesn't give you everything you want, right? It's not. It doesn't have a a, a super happy ending. No. Like it doesn't end roses for everybody. No, it doesn't. And so it's it's it I uh, like you know, I don't I don't know whether it, I guess maybe you could say that it's emotionally manipulative at the end, but that's what movies are in general. Yeah. And I I I think it makes it it adds stakes to it, right? Yes. Like it it makes it it, it puts higher stakes on the story itself and on the plot. And it's just it's a it's an awesome Denzel action movie that is really kind of touching in a lot of ways and 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 has some incredible sequences. God, Training Day has such good lines, dude. You want to go to jail or you want to go home? But then, okay, so I'm looking through Man on Fire and John Creasy is the name of his character. Creasy. The little girl calls him Creasy Bear or has a Creasy Bear, I can't remember, whatever. It, this It's just, it's a, it is revenge porn. But it's Denzel executing revenge porn in an at a very high suit. degree, <laughs> and, and at a very high, at a very high degree that's just unbelievable. Here's one of his lines: "Forgiveness is between them and God. I'm just here to set up the meeting. My job is to set up the meeting." And that's like one of those cheesy lines that I can see critics being like, eh. "But when it's delivered by Denzel, and then it's followed by him like literally murdering everybody." Oh, also Rayburn, who is played by, uh, oh, who's his boy played by this Christopher Walken. Uh, Rayburn says at one point, where is this line? I have to find it. A man can be an artist in anything, food, whatever. It depends on how good he is at it. Creasy's art is death. He's about to paint his masterpiece. <laughs> and then he just goes and murders. The rest of the movie is him just offing people. It's just phenomenal. I fucking love it. Yeah. And I wish we had more time, but we don't. I'm going to yell out all the good, good Denzel movies we didn't put on our lists again real quick, though, just so we don't upset people. Crimson Tide, The Hurricane, Glory, The Bone Collector, Antoine Fisher, Fences. Haven't seen Fences yet. Need to watch it. Manchurian Candidate, Malcolm X. There's a hundred more. Denzel, yeah. one of the more talented, uh, storied. Uh, he's already been honored. At, I, I can't remember if it was Golden Globes or Academy Awards for a Lifetime Achievement Award at this point. The dude's a legend. Walking, living legend. Hopefully we get some more good stuff from him. He got game. 
Yep. Dude, see, those that's from the era where like we were too young to fully enjoy movies like that yet, but we were aware of those movies. I just don't recall a lot of them or didn't get to see them. Yeah. One or the other. God, he's done so many fucking movies though. Two have you did you see Two Guns with Mark Wahlberg? I haven't seen that either. Yes, I did. How was that? <laughs> it wasn't good. It was it wasn't very good. The equalizer. Yeah, I mean, they're the great that, debaters. The great debaters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it. It is a man. It is a long list. Man, he's done a fuckload of movies. And um, safe house. Safe house. Uh, not that great. Ryan Reynolds. A lot of them are the same, like the siege, <laughs> the Pelican Brief, the taking of Pelham One Two Three, the Preacher's Wife, the Equalizer. He's in a lot of these. You know? Yeah, you know. So, yeah, maybe more than any, this is the one that, like, has made me feel, more than any of our top fives, this is the one that has made me feel like, man, I really got to brush up on my Denzel. Oh, God, I've I've felt way worse on others that we've done. Really? Way worse. Okay, see. For some reason, I've seen a comfortable amount of Denzel movies. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. And that will do it for today's episode of OCC. Huge thanks to our sponsor, Lisa. Lisa. Go to Lisa. L-E-E-S-A dot com slash dragon. Get 15% off any mattress from Lisa. They are all unbelievable. No matter which one you pick, you cannot make a wrong choice. Get a pillow and a blanket while you're there. You can also support OCC directly in exchange for three or four exclusive ad-free episodes in the uh, course of a month by going to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Minimum pledge of $5 to join the uh, Crustacean Nation and receive three additional ad-free premium episodes of this podcast every month. Or you can join the Mollusk Militia for a minimum donation of $10 and receive four exclusive ad-free premium episodes each month. Uh, The fourth of which is your Mollusk Militia exclusive hotline call extravaganza driven by your exclusive hotline where only members of the Mollusk Militia have the number and can call it and then, of course, can listen to the episode and hear Barrett and I's responses. You can call in about anything. That's the beauty of the Mollusk Militia Hotline Extravaganza. Anything. You can call in and roast us for our Denzel Top 5 if you completely disagreed with it. You can uh, bring up Perry Mason takes, The Great, anything we've watched this year, last year, or over the course of your life, it doesn't matter, Mollusk Militia. Get in there, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash oysters, clams, cockles to support the show and get mo. Follow us on social media. We're on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles, on Twitter at Clams and Cockles, and Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. I'm Ross Bolin, and you can follow me at WR Bolin, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat. Check me out on twitch.tv slash Boss Roland. It's Ross Bolin with the B and the R reversed, playing Warzone a lot of nights of the week. And uh, listen to the Ross Bolin podcast wherever you listen to OCC. Mr. Dudley, where can we follow you and hear more of your voice? Oh, let's see here. Um, social mediums, at Barrett Dudley, Instagram and Twitter. And uh, then check me out on the Club Cool podcast, available wherever you get oysters, clams, and cockles, where we meet at the intersection of style and pop culture. Last week, we did a large segment on uh, on bags. Oh, just bags. So we just talked about like grocery grocery store bags and like shopping bags and um, all bags and like Austin Powers. Like that That's wasn't his bag, bag baby. baby. Yeah. Uh, no, just kidding. It was about like travel Handbags. travel bags and stuff and, and travel bags. That type of thing. Were there any Merces? 
We did not cover a merce. We did not include merces in our essential bags to have. Okay. Yeah. So, so go check it out. Go check it out. Club Cool available wherever OCC is available, as well as the Ross Boland podcast. Until our next helping, goodbye, friends. Thank you.